Folks may have heard me go on a rant about uh, the cannabis movement losing sight of its original, like where, what it's rooted in, right? Where we started. And um, it often comes up when I'm talking about how much packaging is involved in uh, the cannabis industry. I always think back to my first experience going to Colorado and I, I bought my first pre-roll and I was really excited to go to, um, uh, you know, one of the local forest preserves, which, you know, was advised against, of course, because it's federal land. But I wanted to go see some beautiful sites and enjoy some cannabis. And I was disheartened when I was walking into the trail to see cannabis packaging littered on the ground. And I'm like, OK, so these people would like see me in a dispensary and they'd think like, Oh yeah, he's he's part of my group. But if I saw them and I saw them do that, like I'd be like, no, you're not, because you're littering plastic, you know. And so that's that's one thing. But of course, I don't want to totally put the blame on the consumers. I mean, consumers should definitely, you know, <laughs> throw things away properly and uh, recycle, so on so forth. Especially in states like Colorado, where they have the ability to, you can recycle. In Illinois, you can't. But I digress. Um, again, I'm not putting, I don't want to put too much blame on the consumer because there is so much plastic just inherently in the cannabis industry that it's almost like we have, you have no choice, you know, um, it's going to come in a bag. It's going to come in a container. And, um, I went on this rant one time on clubhouse and, um, our guest today, Rye chimed in and, uh, I'm just going to put it bluntly. He had a solution, but before we get into it, um, Rye, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Um, tell them about yourself, who you are, where they can find you online. First of all, thank you, Cole. I was an amazing uh, story because I remember that day on Clubhouse and you were very passionate and you were fired up about the right things. And it's important for leaders in the sustainability space to celebrate those that are having conversations that move the needle forward. We can get into that throughout the show, but there are good conversations about sustainability. There's bad ones. And I felt like you were having a really, really good one. So I first wanna say thank you and thank you for the opportunity to talk about this with you and your audience a little bit further. And so I'll tell you, I started my career in general at 21, uh, took over the nation's, uh, one of the nation's oldest drive-in movie theaters and got into product development and retail in a number of other industries. And I too struggled with the packaging on the products that we were developing. The experience I had at the drive-in movie theater really made me see waste. Uh, and to your point, it helped me realize that this is not all the customer's doing. 
And it really led me down a path. And so I'm always excited when people want to join me on this path. And so I always invite everyone to connect with me on LinkedIn. That is definitely the one channel that I'm almost always on, uh, Rye Russell on LinkedIn. You can also find me on all of the other channels. And uh, I'm always trying to educate, not just on sustainability, because I think that gets stale, but manufacturing, leadership, and just all around what I call community love, where if you're a leader, your job is to share love with your community and you'll win. So if you're one of those community leaders that likes to share love with the world, definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. Hell yeah. Thank you, by the way, uh, for the compliment on on my rant. Because uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's just, it's disheartening, I think is the best way that I can put it. And yeah, to quickly, like, I, I didn't even think about, yeah, the theater experience and how truly wasteful it is. I, I think back to my grandma every year would buy us a bucket and that bucket would last for a year. And it's like, okay, it seems like it's like, you know, you can reuse the bucket. It's like we're halfway there, but it only lasts for a year. And then you got to throw that bucket away because, gosh, you got to buy another bucket, you know, and it's just like, Little things like that. I remember they did the same thing with a cup. You, you buy this. Uh, it was like a, a superhero movie came out, the local theater. You could get the cup and you could reuse it, you know, for a couple of months. And it's like, man, we're almost there. It's like I bring my cup in and, you know, like I use it. But then the, it's just the fact that it's like only for a limited time. Then you got to throw that away. We got to keep throwing things away, you know. So just that's just a high thought from Cole. Um but it's a valid one. And it's so true. And honestly, Cole, I think that there absolutely is a place for single use in our society. And I think that's something that differentiates me a little bit. It puts me on the hot seat in a lot of conversations. But I think this pandemic really exposed some real and necessary reasons for mm -hmm. single use plastics. We just have to do them correctly. Yep. Yeah. And I I'll want to bring back up too that, you know, it, it, while it does suck in the state of Illinois. So in the state of Illinois, we cannot bring our containers back into the store at all. So no stores offer recycling programs, but I think it's cool that in other states, they do allow you to bring back your containers oftentimes at a discounted price. Um, you know, uh, by a discounted price, I mean, they're like, uh, Okay, like, okay, you brought, brought back your container, $5 off your purchase or $10 off your purchase. I think that's awesome to encourage sustainability. But anyways, I, again, I digress. Um, tell us about not plastic. I first want to say when you sure. just said that, Cole, sounds to me like there's a real opportunity knocking in Illinois then for entrepreneurs to get involved because there are circumstances, and I've seen some dispensaries or retail locations truly execute well recycling programs. However, there is a real concern right now to sanitation. Mm -hmm. And some overdo it, I would venture to say. I think others do not put the significance on sanitation as they should. Sure. And there's a spectrum to everything. But what I'm hearing is 
there's a lot of cannabis packaging in Illinois, and there's no internal recycling programs in the, within the retail establishments. I hear knocking for the right entrepreneur because a lot of that can be reprocessed and reintroduced into the world in better formulations and more environmentally safe applications, I should say. So that's interesting. First of all, I'm glad that you brought that up because uh, I know that somebody's listening and I see a real opportunity there because you're right. Some markets do have those programs and I don't know what their back end looks like in terms of repurposing or disposal of those products, but I would, that would be something I'd want to make sure there's an SOP for in terms of sanitation. Now, to answer your question, what is not plastic and what do we do? Not plastic is really the brand. And I think the way that it would make the most sense to explain is we are the formulation house for bio-based plastics. And what we do is we work with industrial partners and we identify goals and characteristics at which they're trying to achieve through their product development, through their packaging development, through their sustainability goals. And we really look at a 360 degree approach to what it is that we're making. And I think I said when we were in Clubhouse together, if I could produce another show, I loved how it's made growing up, but I'd produce why it's made. And I think I made the comment uh, I called a well-recognized granola store uh, or granola brand of snacks we all enjoy. And I had opened it up and realized as you all have, when you bring home anything from the grocery store, there's so much excess space clearly designed for exactly one more product and sometimes two or three. And so I called and the customer service rep chuckled at the question, but acknowledged me. And we had probably a solid seven, 10 minute conversation. I'm sure it didn't get to marketing, but you know, she humored me. And I appreciated it because it really was just about having the conversation. And if she pinged marketing, then great. <laughs> then they, it was exposure. You know, they, they got that somebody cares about these things. And what we do is we look at how do we make the least impact on the manufacturing process for single use plastics and plastics in general to allow a manufacturer to make their finished goods with minimal investment while replacing their current polymers and resins. And we do that through a variety of, of processes, of techniques and of formulations. And it really comes down to what's the product? How are you gonna use it? How is it going to be stored? All the way down to my favorite is when I ask somebody, how do you want this product to be disposed of? because everybody's paused. Mm -hmm. Well, what's the right answer? And there isn't one. And so as consumers, we've kind of pigeonholed companies in some instances, right? Because nothing's ever good enough unless it's perfect. 
and nothing's ever perfect. Right. So we try to be that voice of reason for industry and say to them, you're not going to be perfect. It's like some of the Facebook advertising friends we have in the cannabis space. You are going to get banned. What do you do with that when that happens? Your plastic is not going to be perfect. What do we do with that when that happens? Because there's no magic bullet. You cannot snap your fingers and make your product disappear within 24 hours after its last known use. It does not exist. So what we need to do is say, for this application in the plastic characteristics that it requires, what is the best solution that we have available to us today? And at Not Plastic, what we can do is we can take proprietary technology, not just of our own, but from partners. Because one of the things I found in the plastics industry and in the bioplastics industry was a severe lack of collaboration. One in the cannabis industry and the tech industries, we do all of the time, but we're so used to talking about vertical integration. And in manufacturing, that there, it doesn't. You look at some of the biggest manufacturing brands today, Toyota, they're a decal in a couple of, of pieces and components of the supply chain. They're known for their logistics and they're known for the processes that which produce a quality car to the market. And so we really try to be that for a lot of our, our friends in the plastics industry. Keep doing what you're doing. I, I don't want to see a manufacturing plant shut down. So let me do the hard stuff. Let my team do the hard work. And let's just make you a better plastic. So when you introduce something to the world, it's the right solution. Gotcha. That's fucking sweet, man. <laughs> That's Thank fucking you. awesome. Um, one one thing that specifically caught my eye on your website, and I wanted to spell this out for people. It'll be in the podcast description as well. So, folks, if you just want to copy and paste it, you can. But I'll spell it out for you. It's not plastic.com. That's K-N-O-T-P-L-A-S-T-I-C.com. And um, I, <laughs> what caught my eye at the top of your website is that you have cannabis and hemp packaging. Now, with COVID-19, I under, I see that maybe there's a, due to unforeseen, there, there's some announcement about COVID-19, but what caught my eye about it is not plastic uses patented plant-based materials derived from a number of plant-based sources to produce and distribute certified biodegradable and compostable not plastic products for a number of applications. That's huge. That, that addresses was, my, like, I feel like that gets at least at the heart of my story. It's, you know? It was hard because at the beginning of the pandemic, there was so much disruption to the supply chain mm-hmm. that we had, I think, three or four product launches scheduled for 2020. And... I think all but one got delayed. And the one that didn't was the one that came in the first quarter. So it was already kind of mm-hmm. 75% done. And then we could tinker at home and kind of push it over the top. And what the good in the bad of that experience was 
it really helped me refine and get really good at what we do. Our problem was as a brand, again, that kind of supply chain issue. We had spent so much time dialing in the formulations, receiving the certifications, doing the testing, that I don't want to say we could not justify the investment of finished goods manufacturing lines in addition to that, but the nature of the pandemic, I think it made all of us pause for a second and say, do we need to take that risk right now? Or is the supply chain already too vulnerable? And can we be a better resource to all industries in the economy by providing that formulation, the raw material and the polymer that manufacturers need right now? Because there's already a shortage of North American manufacturers, especially in the plastic space. So let's elevate the ones that are here. Let's make sure they do not shut down. So I think that COVID really helped us pivot. I don't wanna say our place in the industry, it helped us refine our value and it helped us refine what we can do for the community because we had already started the process of acquiring these manufacturing lines and really dialing in the injection molding and some blow molding. But what it allowed me to do is say, whoa, the industry needs this solution now more than ever. We have more plastics being used than we did yesterday believe it or not. And on top of that, we now have businesses that are shuttering. So what can we do to provide the better polymer, the better solution? We're going to increase plastics, but we've got to get these manufacturers running first. We got to keep their people employed. Sure. We got to keep the creativity and the morale up in industry as a whole. And then we can kind of innovate and look at where are the gaps in the supply chain and invest there rather than buying a blow molding machine and finding out that our neighbor in Rhode Island has a blow molding machine. So it really allowed us to kind of focus on the community, focus on the network and say, hey, we have this solution and we want to empower North American manufacturers. So it was it was an interesting time. It was scary as it was for everybody, but I'm proud of, of the outcome and how we got through it. In terms of you know, really what I'd say, how we help the cannabis industry uh, is we look to work with the companies that are already providing packaging and help formulate a better resin for them. So if, for example, if there's a company that's making a pre-roll tube, what we do is we look at their manufacturing process for that pre-roll tube. We look at the polymer that they're already using, and then we write a new formula with either additives or other bio-based ingredients to reach the goals and characteristics of that product that the client's looking for. So we really focus on kind of the product development and the raw material side, um, but we do a lot of prototyping, 3D printing, and that sort of stuff for the cannabis space as well. So somebody has an idea for a cannabis product or package, they come to us, our designers design it, uh, we prototype an injection molding, and then we'll find the right industrial partner to take that product to scale and market. That's so cool. 
That's so cool. Um, so what is something I've got a, I've got a few uh, questions about other things that you got, uh, you folks do. Um, but what are some just, I guess, things that maybe I wouldn't have imagined that you supply, you know? Totally. So it's funny because we're working on products from feminine hygiene to outdoor recreation to medicinal to toys. It's, it's, it's been, I think, as an entrepreneur, I've been the most childlike I've been in any business I've ever operated uh, because every project, it really is like a new discovery, if you will. Uh, I, th- I would say right now, one project that we're having a lot of fun with is golf tees. Mm, so yeah. there's been a huge ban on plastic golf tees throughout the country. And woods painted you see wooden boats at the bottom of your lakes and in ponds for years. Mm-hmm. And so we were looking at that saying like, well, a wooden golf tee really does not break down, especially painted the way that one would hope it's not plastic, right? It's wood. So it's plastic or it's not, it qualifies. But once you paint it, a lot of times there's plastic in that paint. And so what we're looking to do and what we have done, I think I have a sample that I can uh, show you, Cole, and send a picture that you can put in your show notes. Uh, But what we look to do is say, look, I'm an awful golfer. I'm going to break my golf tee. I'm going to get mad and throw it. This goes back to not blaming the consumer, right? Throw it, right? If you throw that golf tee, and I'm not suggesting you do that, but we've all done it and got mad with it. (laughs) I will go pick up that golf tee and throw it in the trash. What if somebody does not? Sure. We want to create the product that will responsibly remove itself from the earth on its own. Um, So yeah, I mean, we're working on really any type of project on the product development side. Uh, We've got some great engineers, some great designers. And then in terms of wholesale material, it really is that uh, manufacturers of finished goods that are doing large volume that I need an HDPE, I need 200,000 tons of it, and I would like it to do X, Y, Z and be disposed of in this fashion. And that is that is more along the lines of what we do on a day-to-day basis. Super cool. So tell us uh, a little bit about um, the manufactured, oh, my cat, want, my cat wants in the room, but tell us about the Manufactured Excellence podcast as I let uh, my cat into the room. He wants to join us for the Chillinois podcast. Amazing, I love that. So Manufactured Excellence is a show that we are getting ready to launch. I have been in podcasting for, I guess, three or four years now. And I was really interested in doing this show for a lot of the reasons that you and I talked about when we first met on Clubhouse. Not necessarily that it's going to be the why it's made, but what I really want to do is I really want to understand manufacturing leadership and create a community where individuals like with 
with Weed Buds, an, another show that I'm the host of is it's a community and it's about creative problem solving. With manufactured excellence, I think we have a real opportunity to help rebuild and help inspire growth in the supply chain here in North America. We can't do that without really identifying manufacturing leaders. So when I think of manufactured leadership, it might seem artificial, it might seem superficial, but at the end of the day, excellence is manufactured. It's not something that we have, it's something that we're striving for. And so I want to really showcase that, that to be a true manufacturing leader, to be a true problem solver for anything, it requires a community. And what I've found fascinating and why I applaud you, Cole, is that podcasts are such a powerful way to bring like-minded individuals together. And I've seen some real amazing problems solved from relationships that I've built through content. And so I really want to do that for manufacturing because I've seen the lack of innovation and automation in the manufacturing space. Not that there is not any, there certainly is. And there's pockets of it that are better than others. Automobiles, brilliantly automated, constantly innovating. Mm -hmm. That's not plastics. And so I wanna bring the internet of things, innovation, automation, and really drive the speed that which we are innovating and problem solving throughout the supply chain of North America. So I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about that because that's a show that we're gonna be launching in the next couple of weeks. And I'm really excited because my pops is actually going to be our first episode and wow. it will be his first podcast. And uh, he's a manufacturing genius and I am just super blessed to have, have been able to grow up around him and with his knowledge because it's definitely where a lot of the passion comes from and on top of it obviously being a, a significant staple and critical component to the economy here in north america but i'm really excited to share that so thank you cole for asking about it sure yeah um and just to you know i, I think it would be cool if we didn't really directly address this already i feel like for the most part we did um to go over uh kind of like your your overall mission um and then we can i i just there's a few other like uh i guess topics like that i see on your website like food service custom not plastic bags um raw material raw material and wholesale poly polymer um you know those sound like big topics that might be kind of interesting but um, if I didn't give you an opportunity already, I feel like I, that we kind of addressed it, but, um, yeah, kind of the mission of not plastic. How did you like, how did this all come to be? Cause it sounds like your dad was in this industry, you know? And so. No. So my dad has been in a number you of, you said industries. your pops, is that what yeah, you said? So yeah, my, my dad has been, uh, in manufacturing, uh, but I'm the, uh, the crazy one that kind of branched out into plastics. Uh, okay. But I was exposed to manufacturing and biomedical sure. and a, a number of other industries. And so I was able to really take a lot of those experiences, I think, and help problem solve. 
and in terms of of our offerings, it's a hundred percent on the wholesale polymer side. But what we do is, for example, you need a project complete and you call us first. What we will typically do is we will tell you, you know, this is what we think and suggest the roadmap would be for your product. And then typically they have a, a sourcing agent that goes and finds their supply chain and manufacturers. And then we provide the polymer. And then we try to take it a step further and promote the different applications that are using our formulas, uh, but more so to kind of celebrate the other partners that are actually creating the finished good. We really focus on the pellet that then makes those, those products. Uh, but yeah, so I think that in terms of the food service, if you reach out to us, uh, a member of our team is going to connect you to the right individual nice. and, you know, they will teach you about not plastic straws, cutlery, yep. bags. We've got, I think bags was the initiative that actually went successfully in 2020. And really, I think by September of last year, things kind of got back to normal for us. And so we've been able to add on some of these other projects uh, with just amazing North American manufacturers. And I think that's one of the things I'm most proud of as a company is that we are able to support, inspire and empower North American manufacturing. I think it's a really great opportunity and it's breaking trends that have been heading in, in very different directions over the previous three decades. Hell yeah. So folks that are listening, um, if you go to notplastic.store, I can throw this one in the description as well um, for folks that want to copy and paste it. Um, this is an opportunity to um, join the Not Plastic crew, if you will. Um, you can pre-order um, Not Plastic pop-up pre-roll tubes. Looks like you can get a biodegradable phone case. That's super cool. Um, there's the shopping bags like you were talking about, uh, shirts, so you can rep, you know, not plastic, um, let people know where you stand, you know. Um, and you can also sign up uh, for the Not Plastic newsletter. Um, I see it at the bottom of not definitely want to do that. We have some exciting product launches that will be coming out and announced in the next uh, 30 days, as well Ooh. as a really big announcement and initiative that we're excited for. Uh, not plastic is uh, partnering with an organization uh, that we are, we're really excited uh, to partner with and help empower and inspire, like we were talking on Clubhouse, helping children get out of their four walls, out onto the beaches, out onto the trails, cleaning up. And so we'll have some announcements coming out about that initiative real soon. So definitely welcome anybody that's interested in those types of activities and getting outdoors and helping us uh, clean out the great outside. That's uh, That'll be amazing. Absolutely. So let's put not plastic sort of to the side. I just have like kind of a broad question that uh, I apologize that I didn't prep before, but let's just see like off the bat, like what do you think? Totally. What is, you know, kind of returning to one of the tenants of my rant, if you will, um, what 
is the outlook on hemp or cannabis maybe being used um, as a bioplastic in the future? Or just like, let's start with that and then let's move on to, I, as I understand it, there are other plants that are kind of already being used for plastics. But do you know at all, just to start, um, what the outlook at all is on that becoming more mainstream? Yes, it will become more mainstream. Mostly by novelty. And that is my ultimate concern. I love hemp and I love the industrial applications for it. And I have a lot of peers that disagree with me on this. And the great thing about being not plastic is you're either plastic or you're not. And so I love being proven wrong. And I think any any self-proclaimed scientist would probably say the same thing. Because if you're proving me wrong, I can make something better. Yeah. So I'm never insulted being wrong. I think that hemp, in terms of its use for plastic, entirely possible. We do it every day, and I get it. I do sometimes wonder where the point is for consumers and retailers on when they kind of realize it's a novelty because at the end of the day sugars and cellulose from plants are exactly that and what i can extract from corn i can extract from hemp now there are additional things that i can do with hemp just like there's additional things that you could do with blueberries Yep. Every plant's going to have a little bit of a different chemical makeup and how we use that is going to be a little bit different. Same thing as cultivars and cannabis, right? Every strain slightly different. Every strain is a slight different DNA. Same exact thing in with plants for industrial applications. And so AMP is going to be an absolutely critical point. What I think most people are saying and not realizing is they're actually talking about water usage and that hemp is a better source because of the amount of corn, the water that corn uses. Well, now you got to look at all of the industrial corn farmers that are GMOing corn to use less water. Now, we don't like to eat GMOs, but does that mean that the GMO is bad for the industrial application? Well, at the end of the day, everything that the cannabis community is smoking is genetically modified. Sure. So it's one of those things that I think as sustainability activists, we can talk a lot and yeah. we should do a little bit more reading. And that's kind of what I did, right? I was angry at the world. I was angry at the community. I was angry at us as humans and it's our fault and we've got to fix this. And I yeah. think I shared with you after some real social watching we're not nasty people by nature mm -hmm. and so we really need to look at the whole view uh before we just dial in hemp's going to be the solution for for plastics hemp's going to be the solution for industrial sure. applications totally it's totally a part of the solution and i look at it every single day that does not mean that i will ever say hemp plastic is going to replace plastics universally not only is it flawed 
but that's usually when I stop listening because I'm very concerned by the way we educate others. And I think sometimes we educate others to lead a belief in alignment with our own beliefs. And what I really try to do is this is the information I have available to me right now. And these are why I'm making decisions. As soon as new information or a new data point is available to me within this equation, I'm changing it. Right. And I think that's really going to be how the industry becomes more sustainable. So to answer your question, Cole, yes, hemp is going to be a significant part of the plastics industry, but is it going to save the world? No, it's going to be a really significant part of the equation. Gotcha. Yeah, and I think the root or the spirit of it, and this is where I think we can transition to maybe a broader conversation about plant plastics as we you know, start to close the show. Um, it, the idea really behind people and i think we both know this that like uh, sorry let me finish the thought um the idea behind people wanting hemp like plastics is it's the idea that like oh it'll be biodegradable and so on and so forth but like you're saying yes it is an option but is it the best option and it sounds like the answer is maybe not not always not always okay absolutely can be the best option sure you also nailed it when you said that people inherently think that have plastic means biodegradable. Bingo. Yep. False. That's where you need us. Hell yeah. PLA, hemp plastic, corn plastic. It's compostable commercially, chemically speaking. And this is something that I want to kind of clarify for those listening, because this is something that I think a lot of sustainable activists, sustainability activists and sustainability entrepreneurs won't tell you. Plastic is plastic is plastic. You have to break the chemical code that witches is plastic. And yeah. so whether you think of a petroleum-based plastic, it's a bioplastic. It's a biofuel, depending on how you argue science, yeah. all of these things are encompassing. And what industry is really, really good at and what marketers are really, really good at is putting a little plants into some plastic and calling it plant-based plastic and making you assume it's biodegradable. No, there is chemical solutions to make a product biodegradable. Just because it's a plant Sure, in theory, it's biodegradable. But like I said, that wooden boat, it's still at the bottom of your pond. Right. So plastics and plants are very durable products. <laughs> and it's on us to write the code correctly with anything. Write the formula, write the code, whether it's an edible, whether it's a plat, whatever it is, in any product, there's a formula there. And we just have to be writing the right formula. And the inherent assumption that something is hemp paper, hemp plastic, hemp anything, and automatically assuming is better is so dangerous. Not sure. that it's wrong, it's just dangerous because I see a lot of hemp poly blend t-shirts out there. I yeah. see a lot of hemp poly blend shoes and socks and, and other accessories out there and they aren't touted. 
they're touted as 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 this plant-based t-shirt as this biodegradable mm-hmm. shirt sure there's components that are, are make it biodegradable but when you think of the hemp being interwoven with polyester what's the probability that the microorganisms are eating through the polyester getting to the hemp we've got to be practical and so as much as i appreciate all of the arguments on all sides what i try to do is i look for the best solution for the right application and that's it and so you know i do i i think sometimes i can take punches from both sides because it's like pick one it's like i'm picking the world i'm picking the best option that we have available for this application can you go into a little bit of like just totally put you on the spot Um, can you go into a little bit of like a difference between some applications i mean of course i want you i would like you to use maybe like a difference between cannabis or another product but if there's something that's easier to like you know explain yeah an application that would be good for hemp versus an application where it would not be so good well uh no no uh the idea kind of like uh like the difference because like the way i'm like the way i'm understanding what you're saying is like for example if you if you gave me a package that was made for transporting cannabis um you would think it wouldn't be flimsy etc versus like a shopping bag which maybe you do expect to break apart easier and stuff like that i don't know you see where i'm going totally get where you're going with it and the answer is those are completely different products Ah, formulations and processes sure so what's the difference the difference is the hemp Mm. is that a better difference is that a positive difference or a negative difference yeah depends on the application i think let me answer this way let's take a bag a golf tee and a feminine hygiene product sure the bag, put the hemp in, no biggie. Probably not going to impact many things on that characteristic checklist that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. The golf tee might be, so let's say the bag is that ah, probably doesn't make a difference. The golf tee probably would not make too much of a difference from an integrity standpoint of the golf tee. It would make a difference on the amount of petroleum-based plastics out in the world. Sure. So that's a positive. Feminine hygiene product. Unless your process is perfect with that hemp, don't put it there. Yeah. Because that's being used in such a sensitive area of a human's body. Mm -hmm. One tiny imperfection, one grain of fiber that was not milled correct. We're talking real pain. Yep. Real pain. To the point that as an entrepreneur, I can't do it on the possibility. Sure. And so I'll write, I'll figure out another solution and we have, right? But so many people came to me for that application specifically and wanted hemp. Totally can do it. But let me be a voice of reason for a minute. Are we doing it because it's marketable or are we doing it because it's right? Yes. 
series. And that was concluded on their own that because it was marketable. Sure. Oh, yeah. Everything's marketable until it hurts. No, uh, <laughs> but that was my point, right? So you've got an application where it doesn't really change the integrity of the product, the use case of the product. Yep. You got another one where might not make too much of a significant change to the integrity of the product. What it will do is a positive impact. And then you've got the third option where you have the positive impact from everything else, but does it outweigh the potential harm in a different capacity? Because don't forget, we can't sacrifice humans for the world. We have to do this in tandem. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you for breaking it down that way because I totally get where you're coming. Like, I just wanted another example and that, that solidified it for me. So I wanted to return to something that you said earlier, <laughs> you know, like cannabis itself. You know, we don't like to consume GMOs, but cannabis itself is a GMO. People don't, I just want to like bring that back up for people in case they like glossed over it. Um, <laughs> technically speaking, it is. <laughs> any thought? Any thoughts on it? I mean, I was just thinking like you know think about how like a strain name it literally shows you both sides of basically the equation what it was crossed with right so there are some individuals that may not appreciate uh that thought cole but it's true you're right i mean we do <laughs> use genetically modified organic crops more than we would probably like to admit sure yeah. Yeah. I, I have, um, yeah, I know that there, I'll probably get some emails about it, but Hey folks, we accept totally. your emails, go to chillinois.net slash contact. You can even leave us a voicemail. And, uh, if you'd like, we can play it on the show, address it, have you on the show, whatever. Um, so, um, right again, thank you for joining us today. Um, what is your title? Are you the founder of not plastic? What is your title? I am the founder of not plastic. That's correct. That's awesome. Well, today we were joined by the founder of Not Plastic. Do you have any parting words um, for the people of Chillinois? The only parting words I have are, first of all, thank you, Cole, and thank you to everybody for tuning in. I always invite you, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, to please connect with me on LinkedIn, even if you would like to challenge or debate some of the topics and points that were made today. I love those conversations. So hit me up on LinkedIn, definitely. And parting words, just thank you again. So much gratitude. Be inspired and go share love with the world. Hell yeah. Well well said. Well said, folks. And like you said, uh, I'm, just, I'm going to reiterate from our side, we're always accepting from feedback. We're trying to learn from each other, folks, right? So let's have dialogue and, and learn from each other. So right uh it's been a pleasure talking to you and uh you know i look forward to uh the new developments coming out of not plastic and um i commend you for what you're doing my friend thank you so much and i look forward to seeing you and everybody else over on clubhouse hell yeah cool <laughs>